morning or you uh, don't know who I am, my name's Chuck Marr. I'm one of the pastors at Kingdom Life San Antonio. Hey, good to see you. And uh, man, I've lost track um, uh, you know, of how many times I've been with you since I've moved to San Antonio. My wife and I moved here from Redding, California. We're part of Bethel Church in Redding, California. We moved here six and a half years ago. And uh, we have identical twin girls, Autumn and Charlie, who are almost six and an almost two-year-old girl named London Grace. And uh, with it only being like six days until Christmas, people are excited in my house. Man, I, I don't know about you, but like our girls are just, I mean, I remember one Christmas a couple of years ago, we didn't even tell them when it was Christmas Eve because we knew that they would not sleep and they would not let us sleep. So Christmas Eve night was just like a normal night. We tucked them in, and then in the morning, we're like, hey, girls, get up. By the way, it's Christmas. And then it was like on, you know what I mean? So, um, so people are excited at my house. My mom and my sister are visiting from Canada, where I'm from. Um, however, I did not order this cold weather, just so you know. I did not request this. I've been 100% climatized, although I do kind of secretly like the cold, especially at Christmas time. Anybody like it when it's a little bit chilly so you can wear sweaters? Um, all right. Well, um, a lot of you know that our church, Kingdom Life, were meeting in your very building. And uh, your pastor, Dwayne, and your team, uh, you know, was so gracious to let us gather here and meet here for a long time. Once COVID hit, we could no longer meet in our last space, so we moved into here. And last Sunday was our last Sunday here um, since we moved into our new space over on East Ramsey near the airport, which is more central to where, uh, closer to where we started the church, where a lot of people are. Um, so we needed to go back to that location. But I just want to thank you personally as one of the pastors at Kingdom Life. I want to thank you as a house for opening your doors, being so gracious, and letting us meet here. And uh, can we just give your pastor, Dwayne, and team a hand just for, for being so gracious and uh, love Pastor Sean and Dathan and the whole staff and team here. You guys are so gracious. And uh, last Sunday, being our last Sunday, toward the end, we ended with worship, and our worship leader, Anne-Marie, actually spontaneously said, I want the whole congregation to come to the front and I want us to begin to declare blessing over new life. And we began to sing Carrie Job's song, The Blessing, and declare it prophetically over this house. So we just want to say, we bless you, we love you, and thank you for your generosity. So bless you guys. You know, it's, uh, it's you know, being only a week, less than a week until Christmas, I thought I would um, read a little post that I saw that uh, made me laugh. How many of you are familiar with um, the song Little Drummer Boy? Some of you have seen this. Mary, exhausted, having just gotten Jesus to sleep, is approached by a young man who thinks to himself, what this girl needs is a drum solo. That just made me laugh. So funny. Well, hey, I want to read um, some of the Christmas story this morning. Because um, how many of you know that the birth of Jesus and the coming of God in the form of man to earth is something we should, we should actually celebrate year-round? But being this close to Christmas, I thought it was appropriate. And uh, there's some nuggets I want to pull out that um, I believe the Lord wants to speak to our hearts this morning. But I want to read from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Luke 1, verse 26. 
I'm going to read to verse 35, then I'm going to go to Luke 2 and read from verse 8 to 16. Luke 1, 26 to 35. Luke 2, verse 8 to 16. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version. It says this, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God, was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now skip to Luke 2 verse 8. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Everybody say, good tidings of great joy. Verse 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, an, there was a, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. One of the things that I personally love about the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, is that all through both the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is absolutely riddled, absolutely chock full of the person of Jesus that even throughout the Old Testament, some of which was written over a thousand years before Jesus was even born, there are over 400 prophecies specifically about the coming of Jesus and about his death on the cross and what he would do on the earth. All throughout the Old Testament, there's just prophecy after prophecy after type and shadow. Of course, the book of Isaiah has more than any book of the Old Testament. 
And if you look at Isaiah 53, almost the entire chapter is one long prophecy about Jesus coming to the earth, going to the cross, and taking the sins upon himself for the world. And one of the prophecies in the book of Isaiah concerning Jesus is found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and it says this, which is so appropriate this time of year. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Everybody say Emmanuel, God with us. And Matthew chapter 1 in the New Testament confirms that this prophecy was absolutely fulfilled in the birth and in the coming of Jesus, the Son of God. So one of the names for God that we think about this time of year is Emmanuel, God with us. And I don't know about you, but it just absolutely blows my mind It is crazy to me, in a good way, that God the Father, think about it, the uncreated God, the all-powerful, all-knowing, always was, always will be God, all-powerful, king of the universe, chose to come to the earth in the form of a man and actually did man stuff. (laughs) Like he built furniture. (laughs) Like, although he was fully God, he was also fully man. He had feelings, he felt pain, he had emotions, he had friends, he had family. Like, people could actually hurt his feelings, but yet he was without sin. Fully God, yet fully man. And one of the things that I love about that is because he was fully God, but also fully man, Jesus, when he walked the earth, could completely relate and identify with the struggles that you and I go through in life. Our sister who is um, up here a little while ago, talked about how this time of year, you know, it's a heart, it's a, it's a joyous, celebratory time of year, but for some, it's a really difficult time of year because it brings up memories. Maybe you miss loved ones. Maybe you have broken relationships with people, even in your family, and this time of year just stirs that up. Listen, Jesus can identify with every pain, every struggle, every hardship that you go through because he's fully God, but he was fully man. In fact, Hebrews, and we don't have this on the screen, but listen to this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Speaking of Jesus, our high priest, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
Listen, how many of you are grateful and thankful that you don't have some distant God off somewhere who can't relate to you, but you have a high priest who can fully identify with your weakness, your hardship, your trials, your shortcomings, and he will get in your mess with you and bring you comfort and bring you peace. We have a high priest who can identify with our weaknesses. So I want to encourage you, this, this time of year, if you're going through a hard time, press into the Jesus who fully understands your pain, who fully understands your shortcomings, who fully understands the trial that you're going through because he understands, because he has walked through every temptation that is known to man, yet was without sin. And I promise you that if you'll press into him, he will draw near to you. He will bring you comfort, he will bring you peace, and he will bring you joy. And I just prophesy and declare that this morning, people that are going through hard times, difficulties, trials, he will be with you. Emmanuel, God with us, will comfort you and bring you peace. If you need that this morning, say, I receive that and I believe it in Jesus' name. But in Luke 2, the angels appear to the shepherds, as we just read, and they said, fear not because I bring you Good tidings of great joy. Now, I want to talk for a few minutes about why the coming of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is really good news. And this is really obvious, but I think sometimes we need to be reminded, Jesus coming to earth is good news of great joy because God sent Jesus the Son to restore mankind, to restore us to right relationship with the Father. How many of you are thankful that in Jesus we have been restored to right relationship with God? Listen, before Jesus came to earth, man, it was hard work to have God's approval. <laughs> it was hard work. See, that's why... After Jesus came, it's called the new covenant. And it's not just called the new covenant. It's called a better covenant with better promises. See, before Jesus came, God's people had to go to the high priest to be right with God. And the high priest had to go into the temple and offer sacrifices. And sometimes he didn't even know. He thought, if I'm not right and I go before God, I might not even live, you know, to tell about it. So they would actually like tie a rope to him and there'd be bells on him in case when he was in the temple offering sacrifices, something happened and he was struck dead and the bell stopped ringing. At least there was a rope tied to him so they could drag him out of the temple. <laughs> How many of you are glad that we're part of a new covenant? <laughs> In the old covenant, people had to offer sacrifices and follow a list of rules, and it was just work, and they lived according to the law. But how many of you know that in the new covenant, after the coming of Jesus, we live according to faith, and by faith in Christ, we have been made perfect before, before God. And I love this because in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, or sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you are glad that there's no condemnation in Christ? Let me read it one more time. Romans 8, verse 1. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Skip down to verse 15. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Say adoption. Some translations say the spirit of sonship by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That means Daddy God. Verse 16, the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. See, when we become born again through faith in Jesus, we are completely set free from all shame, guilt, and condemnation. We can hold our heads high knowing that we have a loving father who when he sees us, he sees us through the lens of the blood of his son. I love what my pastor in California says all the time. He says, we cannot afford to have a thought in our head about ourselves that God himself doesn't think about us. His thoughts toward us are for good and not for evil. I'd like to propose to you that God doesn't just love you, he likes you. <laughs> How many of you have kids in here? How many of you who just love your kids so much, your love for your children is conditional based on how good they are that day? No, we love them unconditionally. Yeah, they can make choices that break our hearts. They can do things to, to affect us. We can get frustrated. We can get discouraged. But those that are good parents, their love, your love for your kids doesn't change no matter what choices they make. If that's how we are, how much more does our loving Heavenly Father love us with an everlasting, unending love, unconditional love, no matter what choices we make? And like I said, like I read a few minutes ago, we can therefore come boldly before His throne of grace. How come we can become, how, how come we can become boldly before His throne? Because it's a throne of grace. Because it's a throne of grace, we can come boldly before him. You, be, you might be like, well, what about when I make a mistake or I sin or I mess up? Then you come boldly before his throne of grace. It doesn't say boldly before his throne of punishment. It doesn't say boldly before his throne of judgment, ready to hit you over the head because you made a mistake. No, boldly before his throne of grace. The Bible says if while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. How much more can we come before him now that we've been cleansed by his blood? You know, there's a lot of teaching on being convicted for our sin. And I do believe God convicts us of our sin, but it's never with condemnation. Convict Let me just say this. Condemnation and guilt will always push you further from God. Con true conviction always has hope attached to it and will draw you closer to his grace because it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So I believe God will convict us of our sin, but what happens when we're convicted about our righteousness? 
Like, I want to be so convicted that I'm so loved and accepted by the Father that my wife finds me pacing my living room deep in thought. And she's like, what's going on? What are you thinking about? And I'm like, I'm just feeling really convicted right now. She's like, well, what did you do this time? I'm like, that's the thing. I didn't do anything. It's what he did 2,000 years ago. And, and, and the Bible says that because of what he's done, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I feel so convicted and convinced and persuaded of my righteousness before him that I can come boldly before his throne believing that I'm his favorite. How many of you know that in God, we all get to be his favorite? Listen, we all get to move the heart of the Father in a way that nobody else can move his heart. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he likes you. And I just want to prophesy and declare that if you're struggling with guilt, shame, condemnation, unacceptance, unworthiness, I break that off of you in the name of Jesus. I give you permission to forgive yourself, to come boldly before his throne of grace, knowing that he's willing to accept you and embrace you just as you are. Everybody say good news of great joy. The second reason the coming of Jesus is good news of great joy is because Jesus came to the earth to show us what the Father is actually like. See, it's not that in the Old Testament they had an incorrect view of God. They just didn't have a complete view of God. And when Jesus came to the earth and lived his life among mankind, he actually put on display to the world what the nature of God is like. And I have some scriptures to prove it. We're not going to turn there, but one of them is in the Gospels where the disciples are talking to Jesus. Jesus is teaching his disciples. And one of them named Philip said, Jesus, just show us the Father and it will be enough for us. Do you remember this? And Philip, or Jesus goes, Philip, have you been with me this long and you don't realize that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Like, if you look at the life of Jesus, you know what God's like. If you've seen Jesus, Jesus, you've seen the Father. He said he only did what he saw the Father doing. And what kind of life did Jesus live? Everywhere he went, he was healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, it says he went about doing good and healing all of those who were oppressed by the devil. Healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. He ruined every funeral he went to, including his own, right? I probably say that every time I come here. But this is Jesus putting the nature of the Father on display. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the first part of it, it says this. It says, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. What's the Father like? Look at Jesus. He never turned a sick person away. When somebody who is caught making a mistake, he extended grace and forgiveness and yeah, he would say, go and sin no more, but it was his love and kindness that empowered them to go and sin no more. He went about healing the sick, doing good, and that's what the Father's like. And when you believe that God is really good as seen in the person of Jesus, it really affects your prayer life. It really affects how, 
you, you know, what you expect God to do. Instead of saying, God, if it's your will, could you maybe please think about healing Uncle Joe? See, as soon as you say, God, if it's your will, you're already declaring you're not sure if God wants to heal him. But if you believe that Jesus healed all who came unto him because he is the healer, you won't say, God, if it's your will. You'll say, Jesus, thank you that you're the healer, that you're a good God, and that you didn't cause this sickness. So I release your kingdom into his body now in Jesus' name. And I say, body be healed in the name of Jesus according to the nature of God. And it's, it's a belief system that he's good. And you want to know what the Father's like? Look at the life of Jesus. And see, that's why it's good news of great joy is because Jesus came to show us what the Father is like. He turned the world upside down through 12 people who got a revelation that God is good. <laughs> Does this make sense? And see, when you believe that God's good, as seen in the person of Jesus, you're filled with hope. You're filled with a joyful, confident expectation that good is coming. And then you expect good things to happen to you and through you everywhere you go. But we need to attach faith to the nature of God. That's why Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. You're amazing, God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last I checked, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. There's no confusion in heaven. There's no hostility in heaven. And he said, when you pray, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to pray heaven to earth. And when heaven invades earth, everything that is not of God has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. Because through the coming of this baby, who's fully God and fully man, and would raise up a generation and generations to come that believe that heaven is inside of them and they believe God is good, will destroy the works of the devil everywhere they go and release heaven on earth and see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and our Christ. So he came to show us what the Father is like. The third Third point that I want to make, the reason the coming of Jesus is good news of great joy is because he came so that you and I could be filled with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17 says this, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. That sounds a little bit like Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you, listen to this, and will be in you. Emmanuel, God with us. 
So Jesus is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And of course, we see the fulfillment of this, which our sister shared a few minutes ago in Acts chapter two, the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But what I love is um, in Acts chapter one, which we'll read in a minute, it says that Jesus, after he rose from the dead, appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days, talking to them about the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to go to that conference. (laughs) 40-day conference, no registration fee, (laughs) guest speaker, resurrected son of God. (laughs) appearing at random times. You never know when he's going to appear. You just kind of show up in the conference hall, like, I wonder when he's going to show up. And then, boom, Jesus appears on the stage talking about the kingdom of God. 40 days, he would appear to them talking about the kingdom of God. And it says that during this time, as he would appear to to them over a period of 40 days, he said this to them in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says, and being assembled together with them, in the conference room with free registration. (laughs) He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them in verse seven, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has put by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he said, listen, guys, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Skip ahead to Acts 2. They're gathered together in the upper room. They're waiting. They're praying. They're assembled together in one accord. They're in unity. And it says, and then suddenly there came a sound like a rushing wind that filled the room where they were sitting. And there appeared to be tongues of fire that appeared over their heads. And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it just so happened because God knows the perfect timing. That was on the day of Pentecost where Jews were gathered from all over the nations for this festival of Pentecost. And it says, they all came together and heard them speaking the wonders of God in their languages that they didn't know except by the Holy Spirit. And they're like, these, they're, and so it says that some said they're just drunk. And then Peter boldly, the same Peter who denied Jesus three times, gets filled with the Holy Spirit, gets turned into another man, and begins to boldly preach the gospel with such power and authority, like our sister said earlier, that 3,000 people came into the kingdom of God that day. The Holy Spirit in you will turn you into another person. It will come upon you and get in you. So you're filled with so much power, authority, conviction, anointing, signs and wonders that multitudes will come into the kingdom of God when you open your mouth and and, and learn to partner with the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people got saved. How many of you think that's a pretty good day? And guys, one of the reasons that the coming of Jesus to the earth is good news of great joy is because him coming and dying on the cross and, 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 and being risen from the dead wasn't just so that you could go to heaven. It was also so that he could get heaven 
into you while you walk the earth. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. That's enough if we will, if we will cultivate it, if we will acknowledge it, and we will continue to be filled. By the way, in Ephesians 5, 19, it says, don't be, Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, doing stupid things, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the Greek word for filled, it doesn't just mean one, one time event. Okay, I spoke in tongues, I'm good to go. And no, it means be filled and keep being filled. Be filled and get filled over and over and over until you're flowing with the fullness of God and he starts to spill out of you everywhere you go. Guys, it's crazy to me that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead wants to live and dwell inside of us. Emmanuel, God with us. It's not just a concept. It's a reality. He wants to live inside of us and he wants to be alive and active and be with us everywhere we go. And the fourth thing that I want to share, the reason that him coming to the earth is good news of great joy is because when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, we are completely transformed into a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen, when you put your faith in Jesus and become born again, you don't just become a cleaned up version of the old you. The Bible says that the old you was crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago, and you have been raised with Christ as a new creation. Say new creation. Listen, in 1 Peter, it says that we have become partakers of the divine nature. Your old nature was crucified with Christ. You were raised with Christ as a new creation with the nature of God. What's the beauty of the Christmas story? God took on the form of man so that we could take on the very likeness of God and be partakers of his divine nature. In 1 John 4.17, it says, as he is, as Je listen, it doesn't even say as Jesus was when he walked the earth. It says as he is right now. Where is he right now? He's seated at the right hand of God. Well, in Ephesians, it says that you and I are seated with Christ in heavenly places. As he is, so are we in the world. That means everywhere we go, the resurrected, glorified Christ goes with us. And we're partakers of his nature. That means when you walk into church and you shake somebody's hand and you look them in the eye and you smile at them, it's like Jesus is shaking their hand, looking at, the, looking at them in the eye and smiling at them. Because as he is, so are you in the world. 
and we are the body of Christ. We are the extension of Jesus in the earth. How many of you know that you're in two places at the same time right now? (laughs) You're here on the earth, but you're also seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's not just conceptual or theoretical. It's a spiritual reality that when you believe it and you renew your mind with that truth, you believe that everywhere you go, he goes. You believe that when you lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. When you believe that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you, you will see people healed by mistake. Not because you prayed a really long prayer, not because you got holy enough that week, because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what he's done. One time I was preaching in Australia and uh, I was just like, I was, I was teaching on healing and I was just like, you know, when you believe the spirit of God lives inside of you, you can just touch somebody, say, be healed in Jesus' name. And I was just kind of doing that as an example. I had no idea that the person sitting on the front row had an injured Achilles tendon and they had a lot of pain in their Achilles tendon. And as soon as I touched them and said, be healed in Jesus' name, the power of God hit them and their Achilles tendon was instantly healed. Why? Because, listen, In Acts, it says that everywhere Peter went, people just got near his shadow and were healed. And that doesn't mean his physical shadow. It means the overshadowing presence that he carried everywhere he went. I believe he walked past people and they were healed and he didn't even realize it. Because he believed he was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when we believe this, that he's Emmanuel, God with us, we take him with with us everywhere we go. I'll share a testimony from just this past week. Last week, I was, uh, I was going through the McDonald's drive-thru to get an unsweet tea. I emphasize unsweet. And as I go through the drive-thru, I order my unsweet tea, pull up, I get it. I'm driving away. I take a drink and it's sweet tea, not unsweet tea. So I pulled into the parking lot go in and I'm polite, I'm gracious. I go into the counter and I said, excuse me, I, uh, I ordered uh, a sweet, uh, unsweet tea, but this is sweet. They're like, I'm so sorry. They gave me an unsweet. As I'm, as I'm walking out, there's two McDonald's employees sitting at the table right by the door. And I, as I'm walking, I overhear one of them say, my neck is killing me. And I just stopped in my tracks. I said, did you say you have neck pain? She said, yeah. I said, this might sound crazy, but I believe God wants to heal your neck. Can I pray for your neck? She's like, sure. So it's a, it's a lady and then a young lady. And I began praying for her neck. And then I say, and then I, and then I got two words of knowledge. I said, do, do one of you have shoulder pain as well? And the lady with her back kind of to me turns around. She goes, I don't even know you. <laughs> How did you know I had shoulder pain? I said, I think God showed me. I said, and you've been having back pain as well. And she said, yeah. And I said, and arthritis pain in your hands. And she's, now she's tearing up. And I began to prophesy over her. I said, and I prophesied some things about her kids. And then she said, well, she's my daughter right there sitting across from me. And I began to prophesy over her. And we had a little like encounter with God right there at the McDonald's door. Maybe God made them give me a sweet tea (laughs) so that I would go in and have this encounter. But my point is this. I wasn't out there that day going on an outreach I was just getting a tea with Emmanuel, God with us. Wow. Everywhere we go, he goes. 
because he lives inside of us and he wants to flow through us. This Christmas season, into the new year, and throughout the rest of our lives.